Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Gimli to my leg of loss. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great over long distances. Yeah, and our very own Aragorn. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how are you doing today? You like me. I'm great. I kind of was hoping you'd call me Boromir. I like like Sean Bean. Why would that be bad? Well, because... (laughs) I can't remember what, what... what movie it is, but it's like, oh, you're, you're so, so you're boring. You're like Boromir. It's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, that's such a Boromir thing to say. <laughs> what, uh, what about Clerks 2 when either they're arguing about what the better trilogy is? The, the Lord of the Rings versus the the Star Wars? Well, I'll let, the, I'll let the real nerds decide that one. I have no opinion. All right. So um, this week we are going to start off by talking a little bit about the uh, the – preseason game this week this week the seahawks will face the las vegas raiders and what i want to talk about it through us you couldn't slip that one by me no i I tried though uh thanks chucky so uh (laughs) just had to bring that up too so what i want to talk about though is through a specific lens and that is that when we were looking at preseason games these are guys playing for you know there's only going to be 50 50 spots for for offensive defense right we've got the three it's a 52 man or there's 49 actually. So we, we've got only a few spots for a lot of guys right now. And we need to think about what are the camp, what are the battles? What are the players battling at each position that, that are really going to, uh, to kind of matter at the end of the day. So let's start out with, with running back. Okay. Cause obviously Carson and Penny are pretty entrenched, right? Homer's on the pup. So let's just pretend like he stays there. And doesn't come back before the season starts. We've got three guys fighting for for two spots, probably. We've got DJ Dallas, Alex Collins, and the undrafted free agent rookie, Josh Johnson. There's also Cameron Scarlett, but I'm just going to count him out for you guys. So, all right. Eric, we'll start with you. Uh, yeah. what, what, when you, what are you looking for from these guys? Who do you think is gonna gonna kind of take the reins in in preseason week one between Dallas Johnson and Collins? You know, I think this is going to be a pretty easy thing to predict. <laughs> we'll find out when I'm completely wrong. But Alex Collins is the veteran of this group, which is really funny to say. He's been impressing in camp. We all know that Pete Carroll likes to go with guys he trusts, and DJ Dallas, although very exciting and may actually have the better week one, the preseason week one, I don't think Pete Carroll is going to want to entrust his running game in any way to DJ Dallas. And so, and Johnson, I, I don't I don't have now, any stock in him at all. Now, Collins is the most uh, uh, experienced running back on the uh, Seahawks roster. How old do you think Alex Collins is, though? Isn't he like, is he 28? He's 26, yep. but he's been in the NFL since 2016. He was young, young start. A so huge. just been, just been in the league for a long time. Uh, and, and I agree. I think I agree with you, Eric. I think Alice Collins is going to kind of take control of this job. We saw it in the mock game with that swing pass across Collins yeah. has looked, has been playing pretty good in the preseason. The team gave him an extended look last year and was, I think, excited to bring him back as a, a potential depth guy. And he's really taken the reins on the kind of veteran backup role that the Seahawks seem. You're right. The Seahawks like to keep one veteran guy around that they just feel like they could completely trust. Last year, it was Carlos Hyde. This year, it seems like it's trending towards being Alex. I'm really uh, sick Collins. of us having to use this guy, by the way. I really just want this guy to collect a paycheck. <laughs> you want the guy? I, <laughs> Zero I really carries? Like, uh, I really do like the fact that we decided to go ahead and pay literally nothing for our Carlos Hyde this year. 
Like it's Alex Alec- Collins is getting paid nothing in NFL terms. Right. We well, and that, that is one thing that's cool is that Alex Collins, right? He was av- very available to us, and we just were able to kind of scoop him up, bring him back in, into the fold. Kevin, do you? Uh, I know you like Josh Johnson quite a bit. Do you think there's a way he can kind of w- wiggle his way into the conversation here, or is he, is Dallas and Collins going to take control? I think Josh Johnson's best uh, opportunity is going to be in the practice squad this year. If you see him be the one who gets placed on the practice squad, that is a really good outcome. I think we'd probably be hearing a lot more. Uh, about what he's been doing in camp if he had a shot at making the team. DJ Dallas has the pass blocking reliability. He's had the snaps in the offense. And also, he was a fourth-round pick just a year ago. So I think all that really gives him a spot on the team. And you guys kind of nailed it on Alex Collins. The team always wants kind of that stable veteran hand, and that's what we've got for that spot right now. The only thing is, I don't think Alex Collins' job is so secure that I couldn't see maybe let's see who makes the cut list over the next couple of weeks. I wouldn't be shocked to see us pick somebody up to take a spot. Yeah, I can, I can see that. So, uh, okay. Next, uh, let's go to wide receiver wide receiver. Obviously we've got Metcalf Lockett, entrenched. It seems like Penny Hart has taken the hearts and minds of, of everyone this, this preseason. And he's pretty solid to make the roster. Eskridge, Eskridge is in the uh, in the mix as well. But that means we got Swain, Thompson, Wedgington, Fuller, Ursua, Kay Johnson. These guys are fighting for like two roster spots unless what Eskridge is not ready to go at the beginning of the season. Uh, then there would be three. Uh, Kevin, of this wide receiver group, who'd, which one of those guys do you see really stepping up this uh, this preseason game one and, and kind of putting themselves in the uh, – I don't want to say Jazz Ferguson, Kaysen Williams mold because that would mean they're getting cut <laughs> in the end. a death kiss, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but, but they're – putting themselves in the uh, driver's seat for, for uh, a roster spot in the, at the wide receiver position. So I think we all agree this guy's going to carry five or six, most likely five wide receivers. So I um, would say six, just based on the current construction of the roster and also the um, the kind of the, the, the guys, the way they line up or whatever. That's true. I guess normally we carry six if we carry four running backs. If we carry five running backs, then we carry five wide receivers. Yeah. So I... Uh, I think Connor Weddington just has too much to learn about being a wide receiver. I think Kate Johnson's too much of a body catcher. John Ursua needs to show us something in these preseason games because I think Aaron Fuller and Cody Thompson have caught up to him, have hunted him down, and are ready to steal his roster bubble spot. How could you talk about the elderly this way? I don't... You know, we've got Lockett <laughs> and Metcalf. That's Elder a abuse. solid veteran experience. And, you know, maybe it's time for John Ursua to just, you know, let it, let a young, young kid come in. They all, we all get to that point in our career where we need to let the youth come in and and the new generation take over, and it might be that time. So I think I'm looking at Aaron Fuller. I think Aaron Fuller's been kind of turning some heads in practice, and I want to see him do it in a game. All right, Eric, is there a guy, is there a guy that you're excited about uh, from this wide receiver group that you think could take a, could take a big step forward? Get in, get in the mix. In the, um, on the... I don't know. I mean, Aaron Fuller's kind of like the guy of all the no-names that I would think could be a guy to watch. But I'm very excited to see Freddie Swain. Can Freddie Swain seize his opportunity with Eskridge currently RIP? And in what it sounds like may not be available for the season opener. Uh, I don't think they want to trust uh, Freddie Swain with a lot. So, Freddie... See what you can take, yeah. buddy. The world Freddie is your Swain's, oyster. 
Freddie Swain's probably going to have a big opportunity with the second team offense, right? The first team will come out. It'll be Metcalf, Lockett, and Hart. And then they'll cycle Lockett and Metcalf out, and they'll put Swain and probably Fuller or Thompson with Hart. And yeah, you'll really get it. You're going to get it. He's going to get a big chunk of work right there, right? And I think you can say this about anyone other than uh, Metcalf and Lockett, but insert name here needs to have a big game this Sunday, this Saturday. That's, I think that's true for any of the wide receivers. All right. The offensive line's kind of a mess. Brown's sitting out. Jones is hurt. Bowie's hurt. Uh, we're going to, we're going to put, throw some guys out there at tackle. Probably Forsyth and Island are, are likely to start unless shell decides he, he wants to play really bad, which he might because Russell Wilson will be playing. So maybe he just wants to make sure he gets through the game safe, but, uh, offense line's a mess. So I'm just going to bypass that completely. Sorry. Uh, if you were excited to really uh, talk about an offensive line battle. Actually, can I say one person? Okay, go ahead. Who are you watching? I'm Josh, really interested in seeing Phil Haynes. There's been a lot of talk about him getting work in the middle, either getting some snaps at center, getting some snaps at left guard <laughs> with Lewis playing center. I really want to see Haynes show that he's healthy and capable. Word around the team is that he will start at center this Saturday. So I'm all about just, it. Just just uh, keep that one in the in your back pocket. Uh, that seems like what we're trending towards is the middle. The middle of the offensive line. I mean, Lewis Haynes get Jackson. That's a thick slab of beef. And I, I also would like to see Haynes kind of take that job. Um, and Posich become the super sub, the guard center backup. I want one of those guys to step up and be great. Posich has been good, but I want to see a guy step up and be great. And I think we haven't seen Phil Haynes stay healthy for a long enough stretch to know if that's possible for him yet. Yeah, gotta see, the, gotta see the beefy boy ready to go. Postage, we kind of know what we're getting. All right, let's go to the secondary. Uh, Witherspoon, Brown, Flowers, Desir, Reed. These are these guys are. Um, I think those five guys are your kind of. Five, oh, and then Demarius Randall is uh, like a swing safety slash cornerback. Uh, those are like those six guys are pretty solidly on the roster. Um, but I here's my question for you, Eric: Is the the, the starting jobs are seem completely open, right? We are always competing to see mm-hmm. who the starters will be. Yeah. So uh, which two guys do you see uh, kind of putting their names out there this week as um, we're, I'm on track to be the week one starter at cornerback? Uh, I like Witherspoon as a guy that you need to keep your eye on. This is a guy who's I – mean, he's always talking about himself, and uh, he could be headed towards – he's only seated. <laughs> hey, I don't, <laughs> I don't know the guy, but he's, uh, he's only on a one-year deal, right? Uh, this is this is his chance to prove it. This is again a a prove it sort of a prove it season for him that frankly he should be taking advantage of. And he talks a big game. I'd love to see what he can do. And then DJ Reed, uh, DJ Reed had. If DJ Reed regresses, I will be supremely disappointed because I I don't feel like that is something that should happen. He had more than half a season under his belt. He's had. Uh, enough of a sample size to show that he can be a a solid corner on, in a solid defense. Uh, th- not just pe- preseason week one, but just seizing that that role. You should have it. And those are the two names that I'm I'm scooping up and, and placing money on. Despite right. Trey Flowers' amazing preseason whatever I've, I've read about. Trey, Trey Brown. I want to talk about Trey Brown. It's, it's, it's well known that I am the, I'm the, now the leader of the Trey Brown hive. I'm the, I'm the King. Uh, and I'm welcoming anyone in all busy bees can come, come, uh, come be part of the Trey Brown hive. 
he is playing really well in practice. He's locked. He's locked in. He had two pass breakups guarding DK uh, today in practice. And I'm just really excited about Trey Brown. And I think that he is going to get out there and put his stamp on this preseason in a way that makes it hard for us to not start him in week one. And wow. that the, the aggression, the confidence that this young man plays with is something that I think is really exciting. And I mean, I, like I said, I, when I scout rookies, I don't scout guys that have short arms because we don't draft them. So I had not watched one minute of Trey Brown tape prior. Well, I probably had because he played a really hard schedule. I'd probably seen him play. Yeah, you definitely not... watch wide receivers <laughs> go against him. Go against Trey Brown. And, and and here's the thing is I didn't know that they were going against Trey Brown. Once I started doing it, he is he is a beast for how big he is. And he, he will make an impact on the field. Even if he doesn't end up starting week one, he will be our best special teams player. Um, but I think he's going to be uh, a starter and playing on special teams. So I'm very excited for Trey Brown. I'm the king of uh, I'm I'm his, I'm the president of his fan club, and I, I want everyone to know it. All right, Kevin, is there a cornerback you're looking out for in uh, in the preseason game this Saturday? All right, so uh, I think Witherspoon Reed is the most likely starting combo. I think Brown Reed is the starting combo that is the best, most positive sign for the Seahawks moving forward. Because if those two take the jobs and run, those are two guys that are going to that are with the team for the foreseeable future as opposed to where there's been a one-year deal but you both covered those two and you know you all know how i feel about dj reed after last year mm-hmm. and my feelings about trey brown are well documented after the draft two guys i really like i want to talk about marquise blair oh, i am yeah. excited to see a healthy marquise blair taking the field. I want to see that. I want to see him go out there and take snaps and deliver on the promise and the hype and all the positivity that I was feeling going into the 2020 season that just got robbed from us so early on. I want to see him go out there. I want to see him cut confidently on his leg. And I want to see, uh, I mean, this is a dude who we've thought for two years now is going to be a special player. Yeah. Starting nickel corner. You went in a different direction. I like that. Um, So one thing I was talking about, I was on the um, field goals podcast yesterday and I, I thought Adams, Blair, uh, Diggs and Amadi, they're going to try to get three of these guys on the field at once a lot. Uh, Cause, cause they'll be playing in the nickel. You know, some of the, some of these uh, Diggs, Amadi and Blair are all kind of interchangeable pieces. Get two of those guys on the field, let one play in the nickel and one play, uh, deep and you'll be fine so i think that they they will swiss army knife those guys out there get two of them on the field at the same time with with adams playing closer to the line i you see some fun stuff uh the last thing of course is the the front the defensive front we kind of know what linebacker is going to be right it's bobby it's brooks that's and then of course barton and ben curvin are going to get barton's back practicing again so we'll get to see a, a healthy dose of him i think that puts probably bobby completely out of the game uh, where he won't even step on the field because if Barton wasn't healthy, they're really thin at linebacker. Maybe, maybe we would he would play like a series or two, but yeah, they don't need him anymore with Barton uh, ready. So, but defensive line, uh, the rumors going around. We're going to play some bare fronts. We're going to have some guys. We're going to have the nose tackle lining up directly over the center. It's very un Seahawks. Um, what what guy are you watching to take the take the leap to to get out there in week one, Kevin? Right here, who's who's your who's your guy for defensive line? I mean, I'm taking the lowest hanging fruit out there. I have been on the hype train. I've been the conductor of the Daryl Taylor (laughs) hype train since he was picked in the draft in 2020. Uh, This is a dude whose corner I have been firmly on. 
Uh, even when his corner was abandoned, it was just me, three tumbleweeds, and a small cardboard sign. I still was like, you know, I think Daryl Taylor's a dude. Every rumor of him coming back, Kevin was like, this is it. He's finally back. It's going to be awesome, guys. And then it was like, oh, he's actually still hurt. And he's like, I'm like, you know what? He is going to be in the best shape of his life. You don't even know. He's practicing again. Kevin's like, it's happening. It's happening. He's going to be back for the playoffs. And they're like, no. Yeah, it's it's, it's like the office meme. Oh, my God, it's happening. (laughs) Uh, But seriously, I he's somebody I'm really excited about. I think it's really funny. They had him do all the rookie camp stuff. And then they were like, he was so dominant. This guy who's been in an NFL training facility only concentrating on football for a year is the best rookie. And it's like, well, I mean, that's a good sign I'd because the so. alternative is so bad. But <laughs> I genuinely do think Daryl Taylor is a really good fit, especially for what it looks like the team is doing. I think that he could provide an immediate injection in the pass rush. And I want to see every opportunity to see every snap that he takes because he basically he has to beat off an entire year of rust that has just accumulated on him as he's recovering from surgery and he also has a chance to really hit the ground running as functionally a rookie that has a lot more exposure to nfl systems nfl defenses nfl practicing nfl weight rooms i want to see daryl taylor go out there and show himself as a pass rusher all right Hmm. so um, I'm going to go with Robert and Kim DJ. Uh, Robert Kim DJ. I'm just going to re- read you a line from his uh, scouting report. 2016 draft says, Kim DJ is one of the best interior pass rushers in this class. He's not suited to be an every down interior player, but making some of his run game deficiencies a defensive end while kicking him inside to rush the passer is likely to best fit to maximize his skill set. And I think part of the reason we're playing some of these odd fronts is to get a guy like Robert Kim DJ who has who has concerns if he's playing on the outside, uh, get him into better positions to really impact the game. I think the team got him into camp. He has changed his mentality for what he knows. This is kind of his last chance. And uh, the physical talent plus taking it seriously is really killing it. And I I foresee big things from Robert Kambicha this year. I think he's going to take charge uh, starting, starting in a week one preseason. We're going to see a little bit of it this week. And I'm very excited for Robert Kimdiche. I think part of the reason they were fine with just letting Alton Smith walk was that this guy has just been crushing it in camp. And I'd uh, Pete Carroll positivity stories, you know, I don't want to get too into him, but like he, he has been extremely positive. All right, Eric, defensive line, who do you got? Who are you looking for this Saturday? I want to watch Kerry Hyder. I just want to, just want to watch him in person uh, as a, as a Seahawks, someone I'm actually going to pay attention to and, you know, circle ooh what's he doing oh he didn't do anything on the play ah that's okay we got we got time that's the yeah. right thing get a get a little because carrie hyder you're right i mean we've seen him as a 49er playing against us but it's a uh, it's a little different now yeah so he has a lot to prove too because he lost so much time to injury and recovery he's another one of those guys where people want to kind of dismiss him as a flash on the pan but then if you look at his numbers when he's actually playing his like productivity rates have been really good i agree that's a really interesting one eric all right, so uh, that's our predictions for just week one. But but I know what people really want to hear. They want to hear our bold predictions for the entire season. And so I'm gonna um, we're all gonna make each gonna make two bold predictions for the season. And uh, we uh, oh yeah, and then we we're gonna rate. If you have more than two, you can make more than two. I'm fine with that. I don't know how many you guys wrote down. I only wrote down two. But uh, if, so if you have three, you can do three. And we're gonna rate them. You can it can either be a salty spittoon that means it's good, or it can be Weenie Hut Junior, which means that's that's not even that bold. Okay, so <laughs> so you can either be salty spittoon or Weenie Hut Junior. We'll see which one you are. All right, so uh, 
Kevin, what's your first bowl prediction? All right, I'm going to go with what's probably uh, my least bold of my three predictions. Oh, you're predicting Weenie Hut Jr.? Is that what you're saying? Uh, <laughs> the next the, one. The Seahawks no, have struggled in the playoffs as of recently, but this year they will reach at least the NFC Championship game. Ooh. Okay. That's a, I think it is a little Wien Hedger, but I mean, only two teams make it to the NFC Championship game, so I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm not going to go. It's a, it's a, it, I think it's fair. It's a, it's medium. It's somewhere between the two, probably. It's a medium take, I would agree. Yeah. All right. Uh, Wien I don't think you have to make a, you don't have to talk a whole bunch about that one. So let's go straight to Eric. Eric, what's your, uh, what's your first uh, bold prediction? Okay, what so. What corner bold, do you want to be on? Bold prediction. It's something I talked about last week, and I'm just, I'm so into it, it hurts. Chris Carson, renaissance man. Chris Carson is going to play 14 games this year that are going to be, wow, Chris Carson. Could he possibly be in conversations for MVP? Could he really be having the year he's having? Chris Carson, renaissance man. So so wait, you're saying Chris Carson plays like 14 full-on games where he's carrying the load? Like or he's... just stellar games where you're, it, can be, it can be 70 yards, but it's going to be like two or three touchdowns. It's going to be a great year. He's played 14 games and half of his seasons. Uh, Two seasons of 14 games and then two seasons of... of And why 14 games in a 17-game season? Well, because we have other guys. Uh, Looking at this offense on paper, this should be just an ass-kicking offense. Give me a yardage prediction. How about that? I want to hear your yardage total for Carson. 1,400 in the 17-game season? His right now, his career high would be tw- was twelve hundred and thirty. Yeah, um, I don't want to go too high. I think sixteen hundred is too much. Let's uh, let's let's split the difference. Call it thirteen sixty. All right, I'm gonna say that's good. That's uh, that's salty spittoon. I'm into it. All right, thirteen sixty. So he's got to stay healthy, and he has to play really good because that that twelve thirty season, he was he was averaging like four and a half yards a carry and just tearing it up. Yeah, I All think right. it's something that might be a bit of a timeshare. If Benny can stay healthy, that's a that's a bold prediction. I'll give you that one. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I'm into it. So uh, also yeah, bold want, prediction. Pick, Benny's staying healthy. If you're in a fantasy football league with not all people that love the Seahawks, Chris Car- Eric's saying take Chris Carson because that's <laughs> extremely tremendous value. Now in our league, it's, good luck in our league. Yeah, yeah, in our league. No, in our, our league, league, just dump it up to like uh, fifty bucks and have Donnie take it. <laughs> all right, uh, it's my turn, right? Yes. Last year, the Seahawks set a Pete Carroll era record with 46 team sacks. My prediction, the Seahawks this year have 50 team sacks. Uh, that's that's my uh, my bold prediction there. Um, so I think they're gonna there's gonna be a lot of uh, this defense, I'm very bullish on the defense as a whole. And uh, I think they're gonna be rushing the passer real nice. And there's a bunch of guys on this team that can get eight sacks. Just a, a whole bunch of them. That can get eight sacks. Uh, Jamal, uh, Mayowa, Dunlap, Robinson, uh, Kevin's boy, uh, Taylor, uh, Hyder, the Kim DJ. There's like so many guys on this team that could possibly get eight sacks. So that's why I'm uh, I'm gonna make a bold prediction and say we get fifty. So there you go. Um, I'm gonna call that salty platoon. And you're gonna hear why in just a second. Okay, go ahead. Because the prediction I have written down here is. Someone's going to spark the pass rush aside from just Jamal Adams. The rotation is deep, and there's a lot of talent there. The Seattle Seahawks will have at least four players with eight or more sacks. So apparently we both love that number. And I predict Daryl Taylor will be one of them. 
Nice. That is good. Yeah. I, that's kind of what I looked at. I was like, I was like, okay, we have seven guys that I think could get eight sacks. If five of them do, that's already 40. Like, right. <laughs> and you know, you can just pencil in Puna for like four three of or them four. Do, if four of them do, that's 32. That's 18 among the other four guys. That's only four a piece. Like there, there's a, or okay, four and a half, but there, there's really a, I think a lot of potential here for this. Pass yeah. Round. All right. Sweet. Uh, okay. okay. So Kevin did a, we had the kind of the same one. Yeah, a little we're, mind we're meld on that. Very, one. very bullish on the pass rush. Uh, Eric, what do you got? You know how I like to go NFL wide in my predictions. Oh, uh, I like this. Old, old Seahawks nest fans will remember how I, well, I didn't really curse the Houston Texans. I was just <laughs> really good at predicting all their disasters. Uh, so <laughs> I, I'm laying off the Texans cause well, as you can see, I've done my job. The <laughs> my Maya... <laughs> my work here is done. The Miami Dolphins, or someone called them the Miami Dolphins, Miami. will start the year with Tua at quarterback, and okay. end the year oh, no. with mm, someone different. Someone I was diff- I was going to just go mm, until you t- made me stop, but uh, that that might be Deshaun Watson. That might be a uh, you big it, Jacoby Jacoby Brissett stand. It may be so real quick. It may be Carson Jacoby Lutz. Brisket. So you're pre- yes, exactly. Oh, the, no. the spooky brisket. Uh, so you are predicting that Tua, Tua plays bad enough cease to be the Dolphins' quarterback for non-injury reasons. Correct, Kevin. That is. I it think is, that's it is not because he's pretty bold. Salt. That is. It, I think that I think that he will be traded and someone else will take over. And it may not be something you think of. It may be like a trying to tank for someone Carson else. Wentz. There you go. Let's Car- bring in the best. Oh, yuck. Okay. If you want the best, uh, you you don't have him in Indy. The, hot, the hottest band in the world, Kiss? That's, no, that's not. That's I'd not rather it. have them at quarterback than Carson okay. Wentz. The Seahawks' record for tight end receiving yards is 923 by Jimmy Graham. Uh, I he think James Graham that season. I'm going. This is so bold. Gerald Everett will have more than 800 receiving yards this season, and uh, I'm not. I don't even want to justify this because I think it's looking at tight end seasons for Seahawks. I was like, wow, no one gets over 400. That's a very specific thing. Yeah, one time. But I'm really thinking that Gerald Everett is going to be the the primary pass catching option uh, for tight ends. I know Parkinson's getting a lot of camp hype, but the I I just truly believe in my heart that Everett is the guy that they uh that they're going to end up going with as the primary pass catching tight end and Disley when he's on the field is going to be more of a blocker than a pass catcher. Not that and that's not a, a diss on Disley. That's I'm not trying to to trash him. Uh he is basically blocks as good as a tackle and that's why that's why he'll be doing more blocking. Uh, so you're saying like catching. Disley's going to have Everett's role and Everett's going to have Higby's role kind of from the the Rams uh-huh. offense almost. Yes. Everett ever always had the athleticism to be the the primary receiver, but they just uh, never went that direction for whatever reason. And I think that Gerald Everett is going to uh, blossom before our eyes this season. Wow, we sure, yeah. we sure paid him like he's gonna. So I think that makes I know. Sense. <laughs> um, and if he completely fails, I do think that this tight end group is going to produce. It's not going to be like a normal Seahawks season. Someone is going to have five six hundred yards, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put my stamp on Everett and say that he's the guy. Big season, Gerald Everett. Here we go. Yeah, it's, this is not one of my bold predictions, but uh, I would uh, I would also not be surprised if Gerald Everett 
has the most receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns for a Seahawks receiver. But Will Disley has the biggest game because he'll just have one stupid game where he like hurdles nine guys and has like 180 yards. I, but I mean, it'll be I, half of his season total. Don't get me wrong. I love Will Disley. I just think that it's a uh, like he's they're just going to use him differently than they have in the past. A lot, but in the past, he was like coming out and kind of doing everything right. And the way that tight ends are used in this system, when they come out with two tight ends, that one of them blocks usually and one of them uh, goes out and plays like in the slot, basically. Yeah. So. And that's why Parkinson's getting so much burn in the preseason because he's basically a slot wide receiver. Don't at me, please. But <laughs> but I mean that that is his skill set. His skill set is like a big slot guy. So that's I think why he's getting all the camp hype. He's already tailor made for that job, and he's getting run. He's running over the twos. <laughs> so all right, uh, Eric, you got any more? Anybody got any more? Uh, I have one. It's I don't I don't know if it's foo foo banana or salty straw. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's attacking the weenus or not, but there will be one game in this NFL season that will be greatly affected by our old friend COVID. 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 Oh, uh, we got a couple teams that. What, what, do, what do you think it's going to be? Vikings or football team? I just and by this I mean I think football teams on the inside. Track. I'm going to be really sad when Vikings, uh, Vikings have the lowest rate in the whole, in the whole league now. Well, yeah. they also uh, have the I'm highest. Be sad when we're about Ron, right? When we're, we're about Ron finally uh, succumbs, not to cancer, but to COVID because his team wouldn't get vaccinated. Yeah. There's just, like, that's, that's messed up at this well, level they, with the vaccine, the dumb, dumb level is at an all time high in the NFL. I mean, even <laughs> just from a competitive advantage standpoint, like I Lamar I Jackson, they said, are you going to get the vaccine? And he goes, we'll see. <laughs> We'll see. Just say <laughs> no. Just say no if you want. If you don't want to, yeah, it's okay to say no. We'll we, we'll still judge you, but I mean, just say no. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Is he already got COVID twice? Go, uh, go full Cole Beasley. That's all I'm oh saying. Ugh. Uh, yeah, I think the teams that you're right because the teams that don't have their quarterbacks vaccinated it might be in trouble. Like because that they the, might get his wish and get another wide receiver quarterback game. The rules, this is true. The rules, they won't be from the Vikings because they'll keep uh, Jake Browning. The rules differences in terms of what you do after like an exposure between like a you know vaccinated and unvaccinated player. Like you could totally see uh, another situation like happened in Denver last year if a whole quarterback room. But uh, but I mean I've heard like uh, I think it was Buffalo's coach was like yeah Matt Barkley got vaccinated we need him to be vaccinated because because Josh Allen's not right. So I think teams are teams are not stupid. They're making sure like they. They have one guy that that will make it to the field on Sunday, so I I don't think we'll end up with a uh, yeah Kendall was it Kendall Hinton was that that guy's name yeah Kendall Hinton situation dude they set his uh his play thing for his arm they that's in Canton that's that's, that's awesome that's Good in the him. Hall of Fame because like I think that's correct you know like that that pretty yeah, much dude, sums you can't up can't tell the, whole... the story of football in 2020 without Kendall Hinton having that was, to play quarterback yeah that was like the the peak, that was peak COVID season I think uh, Kevin you got another one. Are you are you out of? Yeah, uh, I've got one last one. Uh, again, going Seahawks specific, I am talking about the offense, which was a juggernaut in the first half of the season, but got set, shut down quite a bit in the second half, and I don't think that's what's going to happen here. I have the Seahawks offense finishing number one in the NFL according to DVOA, mm. and Russell Wilson leading the league in passing touchdowns. Oh wow, that is that is pretty bold. Uh, all right, I'll have I'll give you guys one more. You ready for this? Yes, do it. All right, uh, this is just off the top of my head, but uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, uh, win win nine games. 
Ooh. Oh. <laughs> nice. Yeah, they go nine and eight. <laughs> uh, I like every time I look at their roster, I like it more. And every time I look at their head coach, I like him less, though. That's the, that's the I, balance. I think, okay, I hate Urban Meyer, but I do think he's good at coaching football. And yes. he, much like Pete Carroll, waited for an opportunity that was the perfect opportunity. He has control over everything. Like, there, it is his stuff. And not only that, but he got to pick the best quarterback prospect probably since Andrew Luck, right? That the most sure thing, slam dunk QB prospect in a long time he he that's what my friends on the podcast keep telling me he's evil like that you're <laughs> right Kat. he's evil he's like a evil mastermind but he uh that's, but, that's but he happened. definitely knew when to cash in his chips you're right mm-hmm. yeah he he was like this is it this is my spot uh hopefully ohio state doesn't get too many uh too many sanctions when i leave see you guys later like <laughs> he always Peace. hits the parachute <laughs> So, yep. okay, two more two more things we got to talk about before we head to the uh, the money zone and the thing. Uh, Eric, you didn't have any more bold predictions, right? I'm not. Oh man, I got three. We're good. All right, sweet. So, uh, the the um the Alden Smith, okay, Alden Smith was cut this week uh, due to uh, the rumor mill says that it was uh, a, predicted he on had last a, week's show. He had That's an issue. He had an agreement with Pete and John, and they he broke that agreement, and because of that trust issue. Um, so I just want to get a sadness scale. How, how disappointed are you about the no Alden Smith this season, Eric, on a scale of one to 10? Uh, disappointed from the time we signed him, a uh, little devastated, maybe a seven. Okay. And the camp stories were, were building hype, weren't they? They were, but from the moment he was arrested, I am at a two. I mean, I didn't, I didn't really put myself in the, in the mindset that everything was going to be okay and that he wasn't going to head to trial like it was some you know some some tax issue tax evasion uh um, armed story. robbery in florida oh yeah it's uh come on man uh it sucks with this guy I, we we really he had a chance to be special for us and that does suck and so i, the, I guess the shock is a two disappointed ah, screw it yeah i guess i'm at a six all right, Kevin, what are, how are you feeling about it? All right, so I would put myself at a four, and the reason why we discussed it on last week's show, Alden Smith, none of us would be surprised if he bounced, if he like popped for like a 12-sack season. He has as much or more potential as anybody else on the defensive line, and I will be sad to see that. I'm also a little sad for the dude. He seemed to be doing everything to get his life turned around. I wanted him to get an opportunity. I wanted him to do well and get everything straightened out. And I hope this isn't signs of bigger problems for him. But the reason why it's a four is because I have six points worth of other people that I didn't want to see cut for that roster spot. It means that I probably get to see Rasheem Green grow for another year. It means Collier gets more snaps. It means Kerry Hyder gets more run. It means Daryl Taylor has an expanded role. It means Alden Robinson has more snaps. It means future Hall of Famer Benson Mayoa is no longer on the cut line. These are all important things. And so, um, you know, uh, as much as I'd love to have Alden Smith around, as much as I think he's a quality player and could be a, a, a big impact player um, if he gets everything straight and gets his head on right, uh, the fact of the matter is, you know, I wish him the best, but I like the dudes that we have. All right. All right. So let's go ahead. 
And uh, oh, then oh, Jamal. Of course, we got it. One more thing. Sorry, Jamal. I was almost went to the money zone. Dwayne Brown and Jamal Adams contract. Uh, Jamal Adams and the Seahawks are at a standstill. He wants his bonuses structured a certain way. Seahawks want them structured a different way. Uh, the money is seems like they agree on four seventy. So uh, is the is the contract, which I think we were all in the range. I think I said four sixty nine, right? Because I thought that was funny. Yes. And uh, <laughs> and then so I was right there, and I think. Uh, Kevin, you were a little lower, and Eric, you were uh, in between us, right? Yep. So we were all we were all right. We were all right in the in the range of outcomes, a little bit higher than we expected, but uh, not not crazy or out of, out of control. Yeah, I think it was uh, sixty six. Is this yeah, is this deal done before week one? Yes, uh, Kevin, you think yes, Eric? Yeah, because you got to remember he's on his rookie deal. He's not getting paid a lot, and it's not like he can hold out and rest on his thirteen million. He's going to want to get paid. Yep, getting that guarantee, getting that fat guarantee, whether yep. it's like whether it's thirty eight or forty, because uh, that seems there's a point of contention about guaranteed money. Uh, then there's a point of contention about the structure of the bonuses. I'm pretty sure the bonus structure thing is because they want to they want to try to figure out how to uh, front load it as much as possible, right? Yep. And uh, apparently Russ has said he's okay with them restructuring his contract however they want to uh, to accommodate Brown and Adams. Uh, they, there's a rumor going around too that they're not going to talk to Brown until after the season's over. I don't buy that at all. I think that that is um, that that's unlikely. Brown probably wouldn't stand for that, and we can't afford to have that with Brown. The, the, that sounds like agent agent speak for like they're not talking to us right now, and we want to get public sentiment on our side because uh, Brown's not playing. But like I think everyone in the, on Earth knows Brown wasn't going to play in the preseason. And probably even practice very much before the season started. So, so did not play old. So uh, yeah, the the thing so that's uh, there we go. Now we've hit it all. Uh, now we hit the Brown contract at the Adams contract. Now we can go to the move. And I just want you guys to know if it sounds like I'm uh, flagging a little bit, it's because it's really hot in this room. Yes. And uh, wow. It, and by this room, he means Earth. Yeah. I, I turned off the air conditioning because it's really loud, and there'd be like a loud background noise, and uh. Okay, so yesterday when I went on the Field Goals podcast, I did the same thing, and I kept saying so as a verbal pause because I was wiping sweat off my forehead the whole time. <laughs> and and after the podcast over, I was like, Brandon, I just want you to know I was dying the whole time. Like I was just wiping sweat off my forehead and saying so to give myself a second. So uh, if you, can you edit out a couple of the so's? And then I was like, just kidding. You don't have to do that. I'm I'm fine with looking dumb. But, and but then he man, probably did because he's actually professional, unlike yeah, he's, us. He's actually nice. Uh, <laughs> but man, it was like every every like 30 seconds I had to be like, oh, wiping my forehead off so uh, – <laughs> <laughs> just so just imagine if you listen to that podcast that i was on just imagine every time i said the word so i'm sitting here just making sure sweat doesn't drip into my eyes yeah now i'm just and, picturing wow. you uh recording looking like ace ventura inside of the rhino like, <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm italian okay and I, the, a, a character trait of my people is that we sweat <laughs> so so uh that's that. Yeah, those some stereotypes are true. I'm okay with it. Uh, all right, <laughs> there are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so: head over to Patreon.com/slash/SeahawksNest. Only twelves. dot com. Uh, PuntHub.us. You'll find our, our Patreon for as little as a dollar twenty four a month. You're going to get uh, our gambling stuff, our our new uh, our fun stuff coming out. Uh, one's dropping this week, uh, and one is dropping, and they'll be dropping every week until the season starts. Now, thank you to those who support the show. Andy, Brett, Greta, James, Carrie, Lucas, Ryan, uh, Timothy, Tom, Astro, Bob, Casey, Philoctimus, Foles, Jay, Kieran, Leon, Michelle, Mike A, Mike W, Richard, Thomas, War, Wolf, 
uh, Brandon and Nick. You guys are awesome. Thanks for joining the show. All right, we Eric Eric uh, lucked out. He didn't. He forgot to watch this movie. And you I say it lucked out. I I feel like <laughs> you you actually kind of got left out a little. Missed the like worst day, the worst day of my life. Maybe. Okay, so if you have not seen the movie Conquest, nineteen eighty three, directed by Lucio Fulci, and you want to watch it, and you think like, okay, yeah, I saw City of the Living Dead or New York Ripper or a Zombie, and I want to see another movie by this guy, and I, I won't blame you. That those are cool, those are cool movies. So. uh this is a this is a, a movie by uh, by him and go watch it and then come back and listen to our thoughts on it and listen to Eric reacting to to Kevin and I's thoughts on it. Uh, so let's let's start off uh, Conquest 1983. Let me just start with it. I gave this movie a three out of five. I think this is a cool movie actually, but man, it's weird. First of all, it's filmed like with a layer of Vaseline on the camera and then constant <laughs> fog machine like running off to the left of the camera all the time. Would you agree with that, Kevin? what you mean to say is it was filmed mysteriously in a okay. land of great adventure and all of the well, magic created a lot of uh, magnetic forces, which clearly messed with the cameras. You're making a joke, but I often don't feel like movies make me feel like I'm on a different planet, and I definitely felt like I was on a different planet when I was or watching Or at least this movie. I felt like the director was. Wow, oh so that's gosh. like... That's high praise. A different planet. That's exactly what it felt. Place. It, it, uh, it had ambiance. It's in a place beyond time. That's from the tagline. <laughs> uh, and apparently so, beyond time is foggy. Yeah, it was what the, the filming in this movie is weird and not in a, like that layer of Vaseline on the camera. I don't know how my, I was getting irritated. I could have done without it because there were times where I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't barely know see which what's going characters on. being murdered. Yeah, and exactly. that seems important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's like, like I was like, am I supposed to be able to tell which one of these is the clone and which one of these is the real guy? Because I can't see what's going on very good. <laughs> also, is this lady having sex with a snake, a wolf, or with the concept a, of power? A snake. Uh, it was a snake. The answer, by the way, is a snake every time. Okay, guys, so, I gotta, I gotta pause right here. Okay, go for it. <laughs> the way, so I'm crying with how much I've missed out because this sounds amazing. I mean. Uh, Vaseline on the camera. That's exactly how Legend was filmed. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, what Kevin just said about the the snake and the wolf and the lady. Ooh, it's like the Vince McMahon meme. And uh, yeah, I, I'm just uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm taking so, notes. So, I mean, this is a hundred percent in that like Legend, Red Sonia, Conan the Barbarian, like fantasy adventure. But it's just like it's all of the dials are turned up to eleven. So, so here, here's, here's, I'm gonna describe like the first two scenes of this movie, so you can really get an understanding of like how this movie just like screws with you. Okay, it, the movie's messing with you. It opens up with like a relatively normal scene where they're having like some kind of ceremony on the beach, and they pass down this magical bow to it seems like some kind of mystical prince. Like and they you talk do. A, they talk about like the properties of the magical bow and you're like, okay, this is going to be our adventuring guy. He's got a magic bow. That's pretty cool. You know, you think it's pretty normal. Then we hard cut to another scene where these like werewolf monsters. And the werewolves, by the way, I had to look it up to know that they were supposed to be werewolves because it looks like they watched star Wars and saw Chewbacca and they're like, we want more of those. All so, the Chewbacca's. Here's what these werewolves do in this first scene. Okay, they attack a, a vi- like a village of regular people, and the the elder of the village says like, we've suffered enough. Just eat me and lay- let everyone else leave. And the the guy the werewolf's like, nah, dog. We like young flesh. Give us her. They take a young lady 
they rip her in half and it's gory. So like already we're like, okay, this is a different it's movie like than I thought Cronenberg it was. Gory. This is like a different movie than I thought it was 10 minutes ago. Like I, we're, we're doing something different. And then they rip her head off and then they feed the wow. head to a witch in a, 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 a nudist witch. Cause she's like naked the whole movie. And they feed her head to the nudist witch who then proceeds to have, yeah, like power fantasy sex with a, a snake spirit. But it's, yeah. there's like a snake crawling all over her too. Well, and that's the weird part is it starts with the head and like they're feeding the head to her and then it shows her uh, like clearly in throes of passion. And you're like, wait a minute, is she like having sex with the detached head? And then all of a sudden like the snakes and stuff, you're like, oh, there's a snake. That explains, wait a minute, that doesn't explain a damn thing. Yeah, oh, this movie doesn't explain anything. And I often like when movies show me and don't tell me, but because I can't see what's going on very good, I was starting to get <laughs> irritated. I was like, I want to be shown this, but uh, guess what? I can't really see anything because of this vast I definitely vaseline. read the entire Wikipedia <laughs> article after I finished the movie to make sure I understood what happened. Oh, yeah, man. It's, but it, I, I understood. Like, I, I kind of picked up all the things, especially because I like rewound a couple times to make sure I was... Uh, I was getting everything. So basically our main character though, Ilias, he meets uh, a, um, a, I would just call this guy a vagabond, a, a hearty a, traveler, a, an outsider. He's kind of an outsider. He's got a tattoo on his forehead, which means, uh, what did he say? It means uh, against all men or uh, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's like an out, he's like an outlaw. He's a real Han Solo, idea. Han Solo type. Uh, and his name it's is a real mad Mardigan from his name uh, is Mace Mace, I think. Right. Correct. Although I thought he was saying Nate the whole time, which is because that's my name. I was like, because the sound mixing in this movie, not not. And Nathan wanted to put himself um, in the movie. He, he wanted. He was projecting. If, if I was a character, I would want to be Mace. He was pretty cool. He loves animals to the point where at one point, to the point where at one <laughs> yes. time in the movie, he is drowning on like this X, <laughs> and uh, some some dolphins find him and they know this guy's the homie. Like this guy loves animals, so they save him. But I'm just gonna say that scene went on so long that oh I was my like, goodness. this guy is brain dead. Like there's no yes. way he held his breath for like this is like eight minutes of these dolphins tearing these ropes off of his arms. He is dead, burnt bread. Like this guy is D E A D dead. But nope, he got out of the water and was completely fine. So he was I guess fine. his dolphin homies are helping him out. The dolphin the dolphin saved him. And I think that, that that makes this whole movie an Echo the Dolphin prequel, which is pretty cool. That's reasonable. Um, yeah. So makes that's sense. that I'm into that. Um but that at some point in the movie, yeah, so like a bunch of stuff happens and I'm sure Kevin's gonna go back to some of these scenes because I'm sure he's gonna like he liked them more than me. At some point in the movie though, the main character, Ilias, decides he needs to go back and help Mace defeat the the witch, the the helmet helmet witch, the nudist. And uh he turns around and from before that point, he had his magic bow is not really magic. You know, he just shoots arrows at people. But everyone acts like it's really magical because I guess no one in the place they're in knows about bows except this guy. Like they are really into the the whole bow and arrow thing. Including like Mace, who just mur- murders in cold blood some wanderer guy. Yeah, Mace is all that? about that bow life. Oh, <laughs> he was a, he was a hunter, and was... like and like Mace was like, oh, you hunted this animal. Well, screw you. You're a human. Humans suck. I like animals. So now I'm gonna murder you like you murdered this animal, and then I'm gonna take the animal and then I'm gonna use the animal, even though I didn't kill the animal, but I want to waste this perfectly good animal that got killed. I should use it to go to this village so that I can have <laughs> sex with my sometimes girlfriend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like, is this your girlfriend? He's like, well, when I'm here, she is. I was like, whoa. And then he's like, and he goes, you can have her if you want to. And I was like, dang, this got weird. And the dude's, <laughs> and then the dude's like, nah, nah, I'll pass. He's like, oh, okay. 
well, you should just have her sister then. And you're and like, he, and he already had a crush on her sister from yeah. an earlier part of the movie. So he the was base like, wasn't okay. there for her, so he totally didn't know that. Come on, no, man. Yeah, he didn't. Way know. too meta. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, the uh, it's okay. He hooks up with the sister, and then she gets murdered by Chewbacca's later. So like, you know, that happens. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. He he. No, he doesn't really hook up with her. I would say they more have some kind of weird like face touching thing going on. No, they 100 percent hooked up in the part where they were like uh, sexually eating chicken. It was well, weird. staring that over was... the fire, listening to the other two people have sex while not really having sex. That happened. Just it was weird. They're, they're, if you uh, saw the movie, you know what scene I'm talking about. Their romance was was uh, oddly presented. I'm not, yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Well, I'm just saying, if you're going to have an awkward romance, having it with someone who's immediately about to die, at least we'll catch up to you later. Anyway, once he decides to go back and help Mace, all of a sudden he's got the he's got the glow. His bow now shoots like Tron bolts out of it, and because yeah, <laughs> when, when he pulls it back, like Tron arrows show up, and then he fires those, and they yeah. can go through walls and stuff. It's oh cool. yeah, and they can curve around curve around edges, and stuff. they're badass. Yeah, yeah when he shot really those cool. like weird like dust mummy guys, he like shot one through a rock. Oh was, yeah, no, it went good. around. Yeah, it went around wow. the rock or whatever, like in Wanted. Oh, I was so uh, <laughs> Wanted in the drive-through. <laughs> uh, so so yeah then then uh okay then weirdly they just they decide. i like how whatever you're gonna say next is weirdly and the other parts aren't but go oh ahead. no this is weird they they so this movie kind of what they do is they alternate between one of our two main characters getting in trouble and then the other character saving them have did you notice that kevin fact how, how like just something bad happens to one of the characters and the other one saves them and they the movie's kind of just about bros play. being bros and I, I kind of left the whole swamp thing for you, so because I'm feeling you're going to want to talk about that. But they, they, uh, um, do I? We, we'll, fine, we'll go back to it. We'll come back to it. But the, there was a part. <laughs> so they Are you do they, the little arrows. They're, they're sleeping. No, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. We'll come back. Yes, to they're, they're they're sleeping though. They're sleeping, which happens a lot. They get attacked while they're sleeping, and someone comes through the ground, grabs Ilias, drags him through the ground, and then rips his head off. And, uh, and that's, that's really it. Confusing. That's it. He's just dead at that point. He's dead. And they, it was, there wasn't like a lot of buildup to that or anything. It just felt like they just, and this like, is the main character, by the way, the main character, they just murdered him in his sleep. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. So then what happens is they take the head to, uh, to helmet, Witch, and she's like, finally, I will feed on the wanderer's skull. And it's like, you know, that's what she does. She's the helmet, Witch, and, uh, he opens his eyes. <laughs> And then, which is very like, surprising ambush and then, tactic. And then she's like, "Oh, you didn't kill his soul." And then he telekinetically talks to Mason. Is like, "Burn my body and take my spirit. You'll be able to shoot the magic bow." And then it cuts to him, and he's like burning his body and rubbing his ashes all over himself. Yes, he was. <laughs> and then, and then wow. now, now like bros do. And then now Mace can shoot the uh, the Tron bow, and, uh, and that it works point, perfectly. And works perfectly good. And Mace kills a bunch of people, and uh, then. When the witch and her like weird uh, lover die, they turn into dogs, and uh, yep, that's and it. like real dogs, not uh, uh, no like not, dogs, not Chewbacca dogs. It says they're it says in the Wikipedia article I looked that they're wolves. They're not wolves. They are dogs. <laughs> in fact, <laughs> and uh, then yeah, then the two dogs like run off together, and uh, Mace is ready to just uh, he's ridded the land of evil. He's ready to wander again. Okay, right. let's go back to Tiny Arrows, Kevin. Go so ahead. we're going back to the part where uh, through a magical trap type situation, uh, a uh, volley of 
tiny needle-like arrows are fired at uh, Ilias and okay. Mace. I just want to say they end they up do, hitting Ilias. They do not explain where these tiny arrows are coming. There's weird sounds, and I don't know what you're supposed to think. There's like a magical cloud that rains tiny needle arrows. Is kind like, of what it seems like, like that's all I like, really think of. It seemed like they were coming out of a bush to me. But like, sure, maybe it was a bush cloud. I don't know. I'm don't, not here to judge. It was weird. Like they, they just decided all of a sudden here, all these tiny arrows are coming at him and it seems like they're getting away. It they, does. It does. They, until he gets hit on the arm. No leg. He got hit on the leg. Oh, leg. Like, by, one, a leg. by one, by one, one little one, not even a, there were swarming in all the other parts, but no, he gets hit by one tiny. But it turns looks, out one's all you need. Oh yeah. Cause, well, uh, cause it goes South real fast. He starts, he starts like developing these enormous boils all over himself. It, it looks like he has like, worms crawling under his skin and stuff. <laughs> and there's this one part where he's like laying on his back in the raft, looking up at Mace, and he's like, "It's gotten in my blood." And yeah. he's like, "And like he's, he's like, it's it too like, late." Yes, he's like, "I think this is serious." He says, as like a, a new head grows out of his head and it is filled with and, us. And Mace, Mace is like, I, I've got a magic plant in a valley. I know I'm going to be able to save you. Yes. <laughs> like, and okay. so, you know, dudes being bros, he uh, goes to the magic valley where he has to fight weird water zombie guys. Those are mummies. I'm, I guarantee you that they were trying to make those mummies. Uh, I thought the mummies were like the dusty guys later on. That, yeah, that, could, be, after that, that. could be true. There's, there's zombies and mummies. In yeah, he fights, he fights uh, water zombies and dust mummies. And then he has to fight himself because I because uh, we're, uh, we're all, all we're all our own. We're standing Zora. So or, so Snake thing. Lady sexually summons like a, a helper guy and says she's going to like be his his uh, lady forever. If I haven't he, watched he, this movie yet, but from every thing you're telling me, how else is she going to summon him? Uh, that's right? really the only way. She's she's a vagina enchantress and she uses her enchantress vagina in order to snake summon a, uh, a dog. wolf god. <laughs> Oh it's a dog. God, it's, a, a dog. It's, like, it's like it's like a husky. It looks it's like, like a dog like that people think looks like a wolf, but is a dog. It looks like a golden retriever, dude. It <laughs> no, it doesn't. It looks like it looks like a husky, legitimately. It looks like one of those like kind of I'm really like, bagging on this like, dog. Somewhat mean huskies. Anyway. Um so uh like she's like uh dark god of puppies, if you do this all you gotta be body and soul. And he's like, Well, I already had your body, but I guess the soul thing's kind of a good kicker. So uh, he like apparently agreed because he shows up, but he shows up as Mace, and then uh, Mace eventually beats him because that's what Mace does. Um, he used the power of friendship and a big stick, and after he beats him, uh, he uh, the the guy doesn't turn back into a dog; he turns into a dude in a helmet. Uh, I would say he turned into a cactus. <laughs> the the helmet looks I mean, like a cactus. Yes, <laughs> but it's a dude in a helmet, back which into is... a cactus. But his helmet is silver, and her helmet was gold. The, by the way, uh, the sexy snake enchantress has had a helmet on this whole time. Um, oh, yeah. She wears, like, a weird helmet the whole time. weird, like, gold helmet. You actually... It, it looks like the one on the art cover at the front. Uh, I'm not going to explain it any more than that, because there isn't any more explanation. I guess she wasn't totally nude. <laughs> no. <laughs> she covered up the important parts, like her face. Were there, was so. there any star power in this movie? No. Uh, I mean, like literal stars, well, you know, like me, it was Donnie Yen's first movie or something. No, uh, no, no. Uh, Donnie Yen. the highest, the highest, uh, most of the people on here, the most watched movie on Letterboxd is this one. Although there's a guy who was in once upon a time in the West in this movie, but yeah, there's, it's, 
it's no name actors. So character actor that you may have seen in some things. Got like it, it was uh, a bunch well, of people that were in like a lot of spaghetti well, blank movies. The guy who was in Once Upon a Time in the West is the guy who wore the the cactus mask, and you never see his face, so you're not gonna recognize him. <laughs> Lucky for him. <laughs> uh, okay, but here's the thing: it sounds like we're making fun of this movie a lot, and we kind of are. But it it is it it's is bold. It's audacious. It's it's low grade. It's inappropriate in a, like a fun way. It is excessively gory in a way that is goofy and and fun. The plot is nonsense, and I found it somewhat enjoyable. Uh, the some of the some of the costumes are just embarrassingly bad. But if you want to watch like a like a B movie and an enjoyable B movie that really goes for it, because that's what makes a B movie great, right? Yes. B movie is great when it is going for it, not when it's like trying to be cheeky on purpose. Like, like okay, let me give you an example. This movie is better than Velocipaster because Velocipaster knows what it's doing and is like winking at the camera the whole time. And although I found it still enjoyable, it's not like this. It's more where, tiring. Where this movie is just trying so hard to be the best version of itself it can be, and it's just like, wow. <laughs> Like whoever day, made it was really disappointed that people yeah. didn't like it. If, well, it, people if do you, like it. Yes, they do. Here's <laughs> the thing: if you like those like 80, 80s fantasy adventure movies, if you enjoy um, like the ones that I mentioned before, or like uh, some of the, like the weird kooky Hong Kong ones, like Mister Vampire and stuff, if you like The Mummy and you want to see like the kinds of movies that kind of inspired that movie. This is an interesting one to go watch. It is an experience. You may or may not like it, but having watched it will not have been a waste of time. Have you seen Zombie uh, by the by the same director, Eric? Have you seen that one? Yes. Uh, well, you know, like there's a zombie shark fight in that movie, right? Like yes. that that movie just goes for it. This is same director. <laughs> I mean, this it's that same ethos. Like we're go we are going for it. We're 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 going for a ten and. You know, if we get a five, who cares? Like we're we're shooting for the moon here, and I think that that is a, that's commendable. And like I said, th- this movie has style. There is definitely style to this movie. Where it's a, it's a, it was an interesting watch. I'm glad I'm glad I have watched it. I don't know if I would, if you if if you listen to everything we said and you think like I think that sounds like something I would have fun with, watch it. You'll have fun with it. Well, I'm sorry if, I didn't if, get a chance. If you to take see everything. It. If you take everything way too seriously, don't watch this. Like, this is not for you. It's definitely not for you. It is uh, streaming on Tubi, which I have, so I, uh, I'll watch it this weekend in the 90-degree heat. Yeah, oh, yeah enjoy it. Enjoy, yeah. Be yeah, so it's great. 88 minutes, and it's definitely worth spending 88 minutes watching. Yeah, I uh, I, I found it enjoyable. It was definitely uh, something to do. All right, for Eric, for Kevin, we will see you guys next week. Go Hawks.